Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is an audio only version of a then and now video. To see the full video, search then and now on YouTube. Enjoy. John Rules, as we saw last time on Then and Now, came to the following conclusions about what a just society should look like. He said that all social values, liberty and opportunity, income and wealth, and the basis of self-respect are to be distributed equally unless an unequal distribution of any or all of these values is to everyone's advantage. But what would this look like in practice? It's only in recent years that commentators have started to question how this might be implemented politically. Rawls himself barely addressed the question, but he did suggest two possible systems, liberal or democratic socialism and property-owning democracy. And while he said that justice as fairness is agnostic between them, he himself leaned towards the latter. So what exactly is a property-owning democracy? First, to understand why Rawls favours it, it's important to see that all of his thinking grows out of the observation that under a veil of ignorance, in the original position, you would first want to secure your basic liberties. Political liberty, the right to vote and to be eligible for public office, together with freedom of speech and assembly, liberty of conscience and freedom of thought, freedom of the person along with the right to hold personal property, and freedom from arbitrary arrest and seizure as defined by the rule of law. He says these are important because they are the basis of self-respect, without which you couldn't even enter the political discussion. So remember, for rules, we'd protect these above and beyond all else. The question then becomes, what systems would violate these basic liberties? Of course, we can reject authoritarian, feudal, aristocratic and fascist systems pretty quickly. But Rawls recognises that even in a free society, a disproportionate control of wealth in the hands of a few is going to infringe upon those basic liberties. How is someone poor going to compete with someone rich when contributing to the political process? Campaign funding, political advertising, access to the press and the corridors of power, party donors and elite dinner parties, and inequality of opportunity. Furthermore, all of the decisions about the future investments of society are in the hands of a small class of investors, politicians and businessmen. If, as the difference principle demands, we're thinking about the position of the least advantaged, would we permit these inequalities? And what society would protect those at the bottom? What kind of society would fulfil the difference principle? Remember that for rules, resources, political power and capital must be arranged so that any inequalities will benefit the least well off. Does our current system, welfare state capitalism, do that as well as it says? He writes, 
Welfare state capitalism rejects the fair value of the political liberties, and while it has some concern for equality of opportunity, the policies necessary to achieve that are not followed. It permits very large inequalities in the ownership of real property, productive assets and natural resources, so that the control of the economy and much of political life rests in few hands. And although, as the name welfare state capitalism suggests, welfare provisions may be quite generous and guarantee a decent social minimum covering the basic needs, a principle of reciprocity to regulate economic and social inequalities is not recognised. The main point here is that the basic structure of society includes economic as well as political institutions. In other words, the distribution of wealth across society in the form of capital. To be consistent with the difference principle then, no one should be excluded from having some access to or say in the decisions about this productive capital. In other words, everyone should have a stake. This leads rules to property-owning democracy. A property-owning democracy means citizens have a real stake in the productive capital of society, some ownership in the means of production. Rawls writes, Property-owning democracy avoids inequalities not by redistributing income to those with less at the end of each period, so to speak, but rather by ensuring the widespread ownership of productive assets and human capital educated abilities and trained skills at the beginning of each period. If all citizens had a stake in a sizeable amount of property, access to capital and the productive decisions of society, it would prevent power from resting in the hands of a few. He goes on, significant political and economic inequalities are often associated with inequalities of social status that encourage those of lower status to be viewed both by themselves and by others as inferior. Furthermore, the idea is also consistent with equality of opportunity. He writes, those who have the same level of talent and ability and the same willingness to use these gifts should have the same prospects of success regardless of their social class of origin. So what would this entail in practice? Political thinker Tad Williamson has argued that a property-owning democracy should make sure that each citizen has a stake in three main assets. Home ownership, cash savings and stock holdings. Home ownership would make sure people have a stake in their communities. Williamson argues that governments should subsidise things like mortgage payment insurance and grants for first-time buyers, introduce the right to purchase homes rented for a certain period of time. A cash fund for citizens could be used for certain purchases, limited to education expenditures, business grants, vehicle purchases, etc. People could be granted a lump sum at 21, for example, or receive a universal basic income. Stockholdings suggest a kind of entrepreneurial society. The public should own shares in large monopolies and publicly owned companies, the dividends from which could also be a form of basic income that could supersede the need for a cash fund. But how would these things be funded? Other than raising taxes and implementing a wealth tax, many have argued that Rawlsian policies should focus on pre-distribution rather than redistribution. 
Pre-distribution includes policies like minimum wages, capping price increases on rail fares and bankers' bonuses, investment in public education and, importantly, taxes on the transfer of wealth like inheritance. Inheritance should be taxed according to the wealth of the beneficiary and with steep tax brackets. Gavin Kerr has argued that a land value tax would also be important. A tax on land rather than on property arises from the idea that land cannot be monopolised and that the value of it depends on social things like roads, railways, bridges, the community and its amenities. The value of the land goes up as these things improve, but only the owner reaps the rewards under the current system. Even Churchill was a fan. He said, Roads are made, streets are made, services are improved, electric lights turn night into day, water is brought from a hundred miles off in the mountains, and all the while the landlord sits still. Every one of these improvements is affected by the labour and cost of other people and the taxpayers. To not one of these improvements does the land monopolist, as a land monopolist, contribute, and yet by every one of them the value of his land is enhanced. He renders no service to the community, and he contributes nothing to the general welfare. He contributes nothing to the process from which his own enrichment is derived. So when we're thinking in terms of the difference principle, people who don't have a stake in the property of a community don't benefit from the improvements to that community. In short, land speculation is unearned, undeserved and inconsistent with the difference principle, as people who don't have a stake in the land and the land surrounding where they live aren't benefiting from the communal improvements that everyone is making. Some have argued that there is much common ground between the idea of a property-owning democracy and democratic socialism, and in some cases little difference, as worker co-ops, councils and community banks all ensure workers and the community are in control of the means of production. But Tom Mallison argues that a property-owning democracy would still leave decisions on investment, acts of building the future, as he puts it, in the hands of private individuals, especially in areas like social housing, education, transport, public goods. He says that rules underestimate how important workplace democracy is, the place where people spend the majority of their lives. Focusing on this is just as important as ensuring that everyone has a stake in property. For rules, a property-owning democracy is essentially an expression of the idea that you would only agree to a market system if everyone had the capital to enter that market, and that no one would agree to start a game of Monopoly, being the only player without money. Hey everyone, I feel very lucky to be able to say that I'm finally at the point where I can commit full time to making these videos. Um, it's a great honour to be able to do that. I absolutely love doing it. I'm going to make two or three videos a month and continue to improve the quality and the research and do a few more experiments and chats and rambles in between. But it is a time consuming job. It's a full time job and it is just me. So unfortunately, right now, Patreon is still the only way that then and now survives. So 
If you get any value from these videos whatsoever, then please consider pledging a dollar or two dollars on Patreon. If you pledge five dollars or ten dollars or more even, I will add your name to the credits. I will put scripts and the audio and at some point the videos out early for Patreons only. So if there's anything you'd like to see there, then please let me know. But if you can't afford that right now, then of course it's enough to just press like, subscribe, share, and remember to click that bell to be notified to new videos. Thanks so much for watching and I'll see you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.